and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. It's our second anniversary, so I just want to take the time to thank everyone who supported the show over the past two years. I really appreciate it. Still two years, and I can't believe I've been doing the show for that long, that people still agree to come on. It's been so much fun. Just want to thank everyone. Even if they listen just to one episode, thanks again. And if this is your first time, welcome. There's probably something in the archives that will pique your interest. This week's episode has been in the works for a while now, and I'm so happy to bring it to you guys. It's the one and only Michael Bean. I mean, iconic actor. Kyle Reese from The Terminator. Hicks from Aliens. I mean, he's done so many great roles. Uh, this is a long interview. It covers, and I could have done another hour probably with him. It covers a lot of his career, but I focused on a lot of his stuff early on. I've read articles with Michael, and it's a lot of it's more of the same. This, we focused a lot on his early career, and of course, we tackled the Terminator, we tackled Aliens, so we tackled everything. Tombstone, one of my favorite movies. We tackled a lot of his stuff. We tackled the movie that he wrote, starred, and directed in, The Victim. Michael was so nice, gracious enough, and I hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Michael. And once again, I just want to thank everybody for making the past two years so much fun. And here's to another two years. What what kind of got you involved in acting? Well, you know, I was uh, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, my mother and father used to kind of like to keep us off the streets. Uh, we played a lot of sports, but uh, my mother. Uh, once or twice would take me to the uh, kind of the local local theaters and uh, they would put on productions and um, even at a very young age I know that there were, I noticed there were a lot of pretty girls there <laughs> and uh, so I performed in a couple of uh, plays kind of uh, you know small roles and more adult themed uh, plays and uh, um, you know kind of of enjoyed it Um, I then um, when I was in high school I uh, uh, I I took some I took an acting class in high school and I was doing a uh, I was doing a, a play in high school and um for some reason uh, you know and we showed it to the you know the town or whatever this is by the time i i was in like in arizona at this point okay in like in like havasu and uh we moved from lincoln nebraska in about 1970 and so i went to high school in lincoln, havasu arizona and i was doing a play there um and the dean of the drama department at the University of Arizona saw me and uh, doing this play, and uh, just kind of out of nowhere, um, I got offered a scholarship to go to the University of Arizona in Tucson. At that point, uh, it was books and tuition, and back then, that really wasn't the it really wasn't that big of a scholarship because most of the money you spent, uh, most, most money that you spent back then was on, um, 
you know, housing and, right. and food and so on and so forth. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, so I, you know, I took the scholarship and I, I uh, was living in, in Arizona anyway. And uh, so it wasn't too far away from my family. And uh, I took the scholarship and I went up there and um, I just uh, really just, uh, I, I never have really done very well in school. I'm, I think I was kind of uh, what what these days you would call an ADH right, right. kid. Yeah. I mean, I just never really could um, um, concentrate, and I was just always all over the place. And uh, so I never really had any study habits. And never studied in high school, never studied once. Mm-hmm. And then I got to college and I joined the fraternity. And, uh, I, you know, I just, you know, I just, I didn't study. I was, you know, uh, just not, not, I was in the fraternity. I was like, you know, going to all the parties. Right, right. And doing all that, partying a lot and stuff like that. And, um, I uh, uh, I got by my first semester because I had like easy courses like uh, like history of the theater right. and an acting class and uh, um, how to build stages and stuff like that and uh, that I hardly even had to go to class to be able to get like C's in that mm-hmm. and I, I got through that then the second semester I started getting. You know, I had to take English and biology and, you know, some, yeah. some real some real courses. And at that point, I, I was just going to wash out. And uh, my, fa- my father was a uh, an attorney and my mother was a doctor. And my older brother was in law school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of, I didn't want to be the kid that came home um, being, oh, yeah the bean boy that, uh, you know, flunked out of, uh, the university of Arizona. So I kind of did a preemptive strike and okay. told my, told my parents that, uh, I wasn't happy in school. I didn't like the program. Um, they wouldn't let the freshmen and the sophomores on stage, which was true. Like we had to build all the stages yeah. and stuff for the which is, which is true, but the, the fact of the matter was that I just I was just going to wash out. So I basically told them I just wanted to move to L.A. and become an actor. And uh, they, uh, I went back to Lake Havasu, and I worked um, for, I don't know, probably about six months. I worked two jobs, kind of uh, minimum wage jobs, but I put together $2,000 and moved out to L.A., and I didn't know anybody, and um, I, 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 I mean, my dad's law partner had a, um, a daughter that lived in Maria Dore, and I stayed with her for a couple weeks, and then met a guy who had a dentist's office, and he had an apartment above his dentist's office, and uh, so I took to the apartment, and then I was just like cleaning service. I think I'd clean up his dentist office every day and that's kind of like how i kind of landed in la and then i i started going to um um, acting classes and um kind of surrounding myself with people that were were 
do, trying to do the same thing that I was. I was really young. I was, I think, 18, maybe 19 at the time. Right. And uh, I, you know, I went out to the different, like, eight, like, the, they had, like, modeling agencies, commercial agencies, uh, and then, you know, uh, feature and television agencies. And I went out to the the modeling agencies and the the commercial agencies and you know I kept kind of just like bugging them and bugging them and bugging them and uh, you know after I was there for about a year year and a half or so and uh, I finally got signed by a commercial agent and got then got signed by a modeling agent and it wasn't like modeling like 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 when you think of like runway modeling. You know, yeah. it's like wasn't it wasn't like that at all. It was more like you know, you know, like like you see like a Pepsi ad with kids running around, or you know, it's called print print work, you mm-hmm. know. And it was not, it was uh, it was it was like for me, it was a lot of money. It was at that time, it was sixty dollars an hour, and I would go do like like two hours or three hours for a company called the May Company downtown LA, and they would run their flyers in the uh, LA Times and uh, you know I don't know I think I was out there about two years or so um, and I was working in a warehouse uh, basically minimum wage just uh, putting boxes together but I had a boss that would let me run off uh, for interviews and uh, I was there for like about two years before I got my first you know kind of like modeling job and again when i say modeling it's not like really like it's a print work what they call print work yeah and uh you know bits and pieces i started getting i got my screen actors guild card which was like a really big deal back then getting into the union i got that by doing a budweiser uh commercial and um I just started working, you know, like uh, here and there, little bits on television shows. Um, I did a bunch of pilots um, that didn't get picked up, but I wasn't going to be in them anyway. But um, I, I did uh, um, just like a lot of like really, really uh, small stuff, and nothing you could like really look at and say, "Oh yeah, you know that." that you know, that kid's got some potential. I don't think I did anything, but you know, I was a, a, a kind of a pretty boy uh, back then. You know, and um, um, uh, you know, I there were there were a, a lot of you know getting into an acting class, uh, having like the acting uh, coach tell me that you know that you know he saw potential and. You know, all these kind of like small things kind of kept me going. And uh, it was like 19, I got there in 19, probably 75 or 76. And then the Terminator was in 1984. But by that time, you know, I had done like movie of the week. So I'd been on Hill Street. I had a three arc episode on Hill Street Blues, you know. And uh, it was like, you know, kind of like, bit by bit by bit, you know, like putting, putting together a crossword puzzle. And, it, you know, at the time, I, I didn't really think that I was, uh, I didn't think I, you know, I, I had no idea. If somebody had said to me, you know, you make a deal with the devil here, 
and uh, we'll pay you $100,000 a year, and you can do commercials for the rest of your life. I would have jumped all over that. I would have thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Right. And uh, because, you know, I didn't have... I didn't have really high expectations. I mean, I thought really at the time that if I could, if I could make a living in that business, and of course it was it was just me. I had a I was staying in a studio apartment. Right. Uh, I had taken my mother's Volkswagen out there at the time, and um, I didn't have a lot of expenses. Yeah. And um, it's the way to do it. Huh? Yeah, I actually had uh, I actually had uh, uh, a couple of roommates in my studio apartment. My brother being one of them, right. and uh, so you know, I didn't have you know very many expenses, and I, I I just I just was I you know when you're young, you just kind of think you know well, and, and I I told myself at the time that it was I really didn't want to go back to like Havasu was like you know the bean boy who flunked out of college right. and now is working, you know, at the Denny's or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, you know, it was just important to me. And I said to myself, well, and I said to my parents or something that, that well, I'm going to give myself 10 years and if nothing happens in 10 years, then I'll, I'll do something else. I'll come back and maybe try school again or whatever, mm-hmm. which was really and, and I was, but I was saying to myself, you know, like nobody really becomes successful, like really <laughs> in this business, you know, it's right. not like, yeah, I couldn't be judged, you know, nobody could go like, well, you know, Michael Beans, I'll be an actor. Huh. Well, good luck with that. But nobody could say, well, he tried and he failed. And, uh, so I mean, I, and I liked it. I liked it. And, um, and again, I mean, I was, you know, as a young kid and everything and, acting classes and stuff there are a lot of pretty girls yeah of course. <laughs> you know i've always been a little bit of a little bit girl crazy and yeah. um <laughs> um it was just a kind of a uh every every small role every time i would get an ad that would show up in my you know there'd be an ad for a, a swimsuit something you know that was in, in, in playboy magazine that was like a you know like this big victory that I could go back and say, look, look, here I am in Playboy mm-hmm. magazine, you know, or here I am in this magazine, and um, you know I did a couple commercials. I wasn't really too wasn't really too talented at doing commercials. I think that I never really wanted to do them. Really didn't like them very much. So underneath that big smile, there was kind of like an I don't want to be here <laughs> attitude, right? <laughs> you know yeah and uh so it's called acting right <laughs> uh, excuse me well i mean I, I i i tried to i, I did my best uh, i i did my best to uh to, to make money you know what right. i was really trying to do was i was trying to make money and i didn't want to have to go back to my parents and have to mm-hmm. borrow any money or anything like that and i didn't and you know, it was, you know, I started working on um, shows and uh, television movies and, um, um, 
you know, I started working quite a bit, and I think I've been out there for I don't know, a little over two years. Right after, right around that time, I started making enough money by doing the commercials and modeling right. and small roles in TV and films and stuff like that to um, give up my warehouse job and um, just go for it. Mostly it was like kind of spending time around other people, around other actors yeah. in these acting classes that I went to. And you'd hear about jobs and you'd, you'd, you know, you'd go up for them and you'd hear about, you know, um, you know, sometimes somebody would need a partner to, um, to uh, do a scene with in front of an agent and uh, just kind of surrounded myself in that, in that world. I didn't, I didn't do any theater because there was really no money in it. Mm. And um, I, I really needed to, you know, make money and uh, oh, some money at that point. I mean, I'm talking when I'm talking about like, like I was I was out on my own and I didn't have to, you know, go to the warehouse anymore. Right. And, you know, like I'm talking about like fifteen thousand dollars. I mean, that was the year that was like that. Fifteen thousand dollars back in nineteen seventy-five could get me through the year, yeah. you know, with with rent and everything like that. And then, you know, bit by bit, I started getting uh, better, 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 better shows. And like I said, I had a, a nice three-arc episode on Hill Street Blues. I did a uh, a really, really good one of my best performances. Really, um, is in a. Uh, like a four-hour, two-part, two-part um, um, piece called uh, "Deadly Intentions," where I played this kind of crazy guy that was, you know, um, uh, um, uh, just, 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 just a, based on a, based on a true story, and uh, he was just uh, he was just crazy, and he was uh, he tried to kill his wife, right. and. Uh, yeah. He didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do it. But they convicted him of the. He went to. They broke up. She went to Tucson to um, teach, and then he went there, and he was going to try to. When they caught him on the way back, he had all sorts of like you know tools and guns and tape and all that kind of stuff, and they convicted him on the intent to kill to kill him, and so. It was called Deadly Intentions, but it was like a really, really good role for me. Okay. And um, that, um, you know, I started, that got me a, a good agent. I got a really good agent that I had for about 25 years after that at the William Morris Agency. At that time, he had just, ha he handled Richard Gere. Okay. Um, and, but, but in, in after... And, and then me and an actor named David Selby, where it's kind of uh, Richard was really his 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 big draw, right. big drawing card. And but he ended up um, with Mel Gibson and Michelle Pfeiffer and Denzel Washington, and he became really one of the one of the most successful talent agents um, as far as act, actors go um, in 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 uh, in LA during that time. And uh, so I kind of, and we had a really, really close relationship. We really, really liked each other a lot. Spent a lot of time together. And um, he was very, he, he, you know, he just 
like I said, I mean, he became hugely, hugely successful himself, and uh, he 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 was very instrumental in getting my career started. I got a I got a the first movie I got that you know I thought that you know this is going to be this big deal was this movie called The Fan, right? Yeah, and uh, I did it with. Um, Lauren Bacall was the star yeah, of it. Yeah, James Garner, and Maureen Stapleton. You're right, yeah. right, yeah. And uh, those were some pretty heavy hitters right. at the time, you know. I mean, for me, I hadn't really worked with, with anybody quite like that. No. And uh, it was a big production, and uh, uh, Stigwood production, um, they had, uh, they, he was like, he had the Bee Gees at the time. Okay. It was right around that time, the Bee Gees were hot, right. and... Uh, they had just done, John Travolta had just done Saturday Night something or whatever, yeah, whatever Saturday that Fever. was. Yeah. He started, yeah, Saturday Night Fever, and um, it was his company, and they were doing this this movie, and um, so anyway, and I, and I played the fan. I, I got, got the role, and yeah, you know, I was really cool. excited about it. Went to New York, that's right, you've done your homework. <laughs> um, I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, so... I, uh, you know, I was involved in the first, like, really, really big, big production. We shot it in New York City, which was all, you know, very, you know, kind of, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was a pretty big deal. And, uh, um, the film itself wasn't very good. It was, uh, it was, uh, there was originally a a director named Wars Hussein he was the one who kind of cast me and um, um, it was more of a psychological thriller but about that about the about I don't know about two months before um, we started production a movie uh, called Dress to Kill that uh, Brian Brian De Palma directed came out and it was kind of more of what they would they used to refer to as a slasher movie and uh uh, and it did really well at the box office, really well at the box office. So they did a kind of a rewrite of our film and changed it from this kind of psychological thriller with some, with some, you know, with some bad stuff going on into yeah. kind of more of a, more a of a, of a slasher like a film, right. which didn't make Lauren Bacall very happy because she had signed up to do something else. But okay. I was I was told they bought her a Mercedes and, and you know that was <laughs> you know, over, yeah. she, she, she stayed on, but she was never very 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 happy about working on that movie. And if you see the movie now, it's got great production value. I mean, we shot it in New York City. Um, yeah. We had uh, we had we you know it, it, it looks it looks really good. Um, and, the, and the score but, is great. Yeah, wow, you really do know your stuff. Um, <laughs> who did the score? Do you remember? Do you know? Oh, um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, well, it I, was, I know like um, Ed, Ed Bianchi directed it. I just don't remember the score. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, how do you, are you getting all? Do you get all this information off the uh, internet, or are you just a movie buff? Or, uh, you know, a, a movie buff. You know, also you know, internet as well, but. I, I've written some stuff down because I have a, real, a terrible short-term memory. <laughs> right, 
Bianchi. Right. Okay. Well, that's. Um, I mean, most people don't know who Ed Bianchi is. For instance, he went on and, and he had a pretty successful uh, career in television. Right. Uh, but he. But about the time that our film came out, um, John Lennon was shot. Reagan was yeah. shot. I was going to ask you about Pope that. Pope was yeah. shot. And you know, I think people were kind of like, you know, I, I, we've seen enough of of, of of people being shot by you know by 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 crazy people. <laughs> and but but on on top of that, it wasn't a, it, it was not a it was not a, a really good movie. I, you know, I mean, I, I I don't know where I was. I think it was I think it was on YouTube. I was messing around on YouTube. Yeah. And I saw something on it, and I saw some. Um, I saw a scene or two. I think they had it on YouTube, and um, I was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. I was, you know, I was really good in it. But um, you know, uh, you know, I don't. You know, I'm not. Uh, I, I people people know that I was not uh, very fond of uh, Lauren McCall. Okay. And and uh, I had a very. Uh, um, I, everybody did, but uh, yeah. I don't. You know, I don't like to. You know, I always say, people ask me about her, and I always say, well, my mother always said, if you don't have anything nice right. to say. Don't say anything. Yeah. So, so, but that came out, and that was kind of a big deal, except for that it tanked, right. you know, and that's the most important thing. And I don't know what year that was, but that got me kind of rolling to where I was doing uh, a, a lot of work right. and, and traveling, and, uh, um, and, you know, Terminator came around in uh, 83, and um, that movie, obviously, people ask me, like, you know, what was your big, you know, what was your big break in Hollywood? You know, what what, 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 what film, you know, or what was your big break? And it wasn't really a, a film. It was, it was meeting Jim Cameron okay. and having a... a Having Jim Cameron, you know, uh, realize that you know that I could bring the goods, um, and uh, so he cast me in um, uh, the Terminator, which at the time, um, you know, really on paper, you know, it was at that time it was considered a low budget movie, right, six yeah. six point five million dollars, and. Jim had worked with, with only with Roger Corman, and Gail had worked only with Roger Corman, and Roger Corman was kind of known as the B B movie man, yeah. right? And he, you know, it, there's there, if you look at like the, the credits, there's a lot of directors that uh, Scorsese did a movie called Bob, Bob, Bob Boxcar Bertha, Boxcar okay. Bertha uh, for for him. Um, I think that um, um, Eat My D Ron Howard did Eat My Dust. Yeah. You know, it was kind of a place that you know, you know, people kind of get started and stuff. I guess, and right. uh, but very, very, very low budget. Yeah. And Jim Jim had done a movie called Piranha too, but. Yeah they fired him off of it and that was probably because he was just so good he wanted something good and they were mm. they didn't they didn't understand but so going into this movie you know I basically had a director and a producer that had come out of Roger Corman's company and um, 
and then when they told me Arnold was in it, I, you know, I, I was an actor at that time that, you know, I'd seen Taxi Driver. I wanted to work with De Niro. I wanted course, to work yeah. with Pacino. I wanted to work with Jack Nicholson. I wanted to work with Dustin Hoffman or Robert Redford or Paul Newman or, you know, like, you know, I, I kind of was starting to, starting to, you know, see, you know, you work with good people and so on and so forth. And so Arnold at the time, had done the uh, first Conan movie right. and the first Conan movie actually made money and um, uh, but he was kind of yeah, people back then um, kind of thought and um, and probably still do that you know he, he, kind of that accent that he had yeah. and he still has and still has by the way right. um, um, he kind of worked for that character I mean he was Conan who knows who, who, the barbarian I mean who knows how <laughs> Conan the book barbarian spoke you know right and um, so I didn't you know I read the script and I thought the script was kind of you know in the wrong hands that movie could have been really 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 silly yeah. and uh, you know guy comes back from the future to you know save this girl from this robot that's being sent back from the future and um um i kind of what happened was when i read the script you know and people will tell you you know i read that script and i knew right away that, and that's just total bs right. there's nobody that knew that that movie was gonna and actually when it came out it didn't even come out with gangbusters but i i I read the script, and I, I, I really liked the character a lot of Reese, and um, I really, really liked him a lot, and and I, I knew that I could play that role well, and it, you know, and I understood the love story was really kind of a beautiful love story too, and I knew that I could play that character, and even if the rest of the movie was kind of silly and and. Uh, um, I knew that I could, I knew that, that I would at least come out of it without like, you know, too many, you know, too many marks on me. Yeah. And, uh, what happened was that, um, uh, uh, Arnold's, uh, option got picked up for Conan the Barbarian. So we, we were going to go into production and all of a sudden his option got picked up. So mm-hmm. he had to go do Conan the Barbarian. So we had about three or four months. We were waiting for him to do that before we could get started on uh, the first Terminator. And, uh, that, at that point I started spending a lot of time with Jim Cameron and we, you know, we would go down to Stan Winston's who's the like eight time Academy award winning, uh, special effects guy. And, uh, and I would, you know, I'd go inside their studios and I would watch them work and I could, all of a sudden, I could kind of like see that like, you know, well, first of all, when you get around Jim, you don't have to be around Jim very long to know that he's a different kind of dude. <laughs> he's, just, he's just not your normal, uh, hey, you want to come over and watch the football game? Right. Okay, kind of guy. Uh, so, um, but I, so I got to see Jim's kind of, kind of intensity, his, you know, I wouldn't have called it brilliance at that time. Yeah. I certainly do now. Uh, but I mean, I recognized him as somebody that was 
really smart and really um, uh, passionate about this movie. And uh, so was Stan, and so was his group. And, and so, um, you know, by the time we started, I felt a little bit better about, you know, you know, maybe this movie will, will, uh, will do okay. You know, I mean, I, you know, maybe I won't be embarrassed by this movie. Right. That's kind of the way I went into it, really. And um, of course, we made it all downtown, and uh, the movie came out in 1984. And people look back and they think of the Terminator. And they think, oh yeah, the Terminator, yeah, great movie. Um, you know, that's where that's where Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold was really smart. He went from there to um, oh, that other horror movie. Um, he did He did like the Running Man, and he did um, no before uh, Running Man. Uh, Predator. Running Man. Predator. Predator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He went and did Predator, which was. Uh, very successful and uh, but the Terminator itself it was made for 6.5 million dollars and made 40 so you know it was a successful movie but it wasn't even in the top 20 movies box office for the year of 1984 so it wasn't like you know it was kind of a about the time that people started getting these things that before your time, they were called VHSs. You know? Oh, <laughs> I, I used to have and one. <laughs> did you? Come on. You sound way too young to have had one of those things. Oh, I'm, um, I'm 44. <laughs> okay, yeah. still. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so you would have been about eight when we... When, when it I came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that most people really saw the Terminator on that, and right. people really, really, you know, started liking liking the movie. And then Jim, of course, was um, off doing um, getting, you know, doing um, Aliens. Yeah. And um, you know, by the time he was doing Aliens and, and finished Aliens, and it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, Scorny was nominated. Uh, first time for like a genre movie like that yeah. science fiction movie and that people were starting to kind of realize how good the Terminator was I mean when the Terminator came out it got like two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert yeah. the LA Times didn't like it the New York Times didn't like it uh, the Wall Street Journal was just like hated it and uh, you know anybody you know anybody that that told you well you know i saw that movie and i knew right away that it was just gonna it was just not being honest you know and uh, i mean i i i i i i I, it was a very 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 slow progression and the fact that you know the fact that 35 years later i think it was the reunion about a week ago i think and it was 35 years to the day that the movie came out right the fact that people you know still you know put together screenings for it and watch it and um ask me to come and, and you know talk about it and just kind of goes to show you that nobody really knows um you know right away whether a movie's how well a movie's mm-hmm. gonna do and um you know it probably could have made more money if orion the company 
that uh, uh, made the movie, along with Hemdale, if they would have realized that they had what they had and put it in, and then start putting it in more theaters, right. it probably could have made a lot more money. But even they didn't realize they didn't right. realize that the movie was as good as as it was, and it, you know, it still holds up really well. There's a couple of um, there's a couple of. Uh, uh, special effect shots in it that are a little a little clunky, but yeah, other than yeah. that, it's 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 it's, a, it's still holds up pretty well. Yeah, and, and Unlike Alien, and I was gonna say ahead. I was gonna say, and your character certainly makes you know a memorable appearance, you know, our entrance into the movie. <laughs> well, um, I had um, uh, what we call as actors um, exposition, which mm-hmm. is basically. Um, usually you don't want that when you're an actor because you're not acting uh, you're basically kind of telling the audience what the story is about and um, I had all the exposition in that movie because she didn't know anything and he didn't say anything so Mm -hmm. I had to tell her who I was I had to tell her who she was I had to tell her who Terminator was and all of that basically is exposition. But Jim Cameron was smart enough, even back then, to know that instead of sitting around a hotel room talking about it, that he would put all that exposition into that uh, opening um, uh, uh, car chase scene. And from the car chase scene to where we were, um, you know, hiding in the parking lot, it was very very tense and and the music Brad Brad Bidell did a great job that music is so good in the movie and uh, um, so I had all the I I was the one who was doing all the talking in that movie and and uh, but you know it 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 worked just because uh, Jim was smart enough to um, uh, Jim was smart enough to uh, to to put all that exposition in action sequences and yeah, uh, yeah there's a if, if your audiences are interested um, there's a really really good kind of four part five part uh, retro, when I say retrospective it's kind of, kind of a, a looking back at the making of the Terminator um, there's a making of the Terminator on YouTube also but there's also one where you kind of look back at it about five years later and um and and it's really good it's really really good they were they were they were doing behind the scenes way back then and uh same with aliens there's a really 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 good five-part series uh uh, five-part you know it's on youtube so it's free you know you go to youtube and you watch it's really 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 good and by the time we did by the time we started doing aliens you know by that time everybody kind of thought like everybody was in like well maybe you know first of all aliens the script was good yeah. Gordon weaver was starring in it not arnold schwarzenegger right. Gordon weaver was starring in it yeah and, and the sets out of pinewood studios were just like incredible incredible and people started realizing that Jim Cameron was um, something special, and so that was a really fun shoot that we shot over in England. And uh, um, everybody, you know, the cast got along really, really well. And I never heard any any anybody ever, you know, 
slag another cast member. Yeah. It was just a kind of like a family, but we worked hard, and Sigourney worked, worked real hard, so she's kind of the head of the snake. I mean, yeah. Cameron's really the head of the snake, but when it comes to the actors, you know, when you want to get everybody on set, get ready for a shot, um, if Sigourney's on set, you'd better be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's right. just, just the way it is in movies, you know. If the the guy at the top of the call sheet is on the set and you're like number five, <laughs> you're in the wrong place <laughs> right. uh, on the set, you know. So, yeah. um, and she works, she's got a great work ethic. She really, really works hard. And you can tell by how many, you know, she just keeps working and working yeah. and working. And, uh, and she was wonderful to work with. And, um, so it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I got, you know, like I said, I got, you know, that, uh, my big break in Hollywood was, uh, working with, uh, with Jim, Jim yeah. you know, and then, um, how, how different day, was he like between like Terminator and aliens? Did like, he was exactly, well, he? the thing about it, I, I would say is, um, the Terminator, I think I felt a little bit more like he was kind of like a kid in a candy store. Okay. And uh, with Aliens, I think that I felt, and, and especially The Abyss also, right, right. I felt that, that he felt a lot more pressure, you know, and that like, that there was expectations at that point, and there were, you know, he shot Aliens, if you think about it, I mean, you think about all the, there was no CGI, and yeah. uh all those special effects he did it for 19 million dollars and uh yeah it is it really is and uh and that movie is probably i would consider all around the best movie that that this is just my opinion but it's the best movie that 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 i've ever been in because it's just you know it just there's not any of it you can look at and go well that really doesn't work very well or yeah, you know it's, it's, it's a perfect movie it really is it holds up and it's it's so great every time you watch it it just it's it's a perfect movie that's all I gotta say about it really <laughs> yeah I I um I don't know about two years ago or so I was like flipping through channels and I I I, I got to to a channel and it was they were just like soldering that big door oh, and yeah. it falls down and that that's where they find Sigourney and I thought oh, I'm sitting here watching TV and I, oh, I'll watch this until a commercial comes on or right. something it, there were no commercials and you know two and a half hours later you yeah. know, I, was, I was I was watching the credits come up you know thinking you know what that really is a good movie man. yeah that's a really good movie and then of course you know Jim cast me in the abyss and uh, that was another you know um, experience and a half and um, that movie is the only time I can look at Jim Cameron's career out of every single movie he's ever done and I've heard him talk about this too mm. that you know his movie kind of peaked a little bit early and he didn't have the, the the visual. He didn't have the money for the visuals that he needed for the end of his movie, right. and uh, couldn't create water there at the end. He had all those guys standing on that, and uh, the the end of um, the abyss 
which you know is one of my best performances. But it, 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 it the end of it, just first and the second act was so good. That right. If he would have had a third act that was like even better. If he would have had a third act in that, that movie would have just gotten like Academy Awards all over the place. But it just you know it just was the ending was not as good as the first two acts, and uh, you never want to leave the theater um with the ending not being yeah and um but you know it it immediately made its money back i mean the first couple weekends i think i think by that time he had about 60 or no i get it confused with tombstone but i think he had about 65 million dollars on that movie and you know he made the movie he made the money back right away and uh and now it's i'm you know it's been shown and you know like overseas and and you know now i'm sure there's well into profits and um so he's never never made a movie that's really been a real uh clunker at all and um you know you follow his career from there to true lies to t2 to titanic and avatar and it's just um i i was on the i was on the box a lot about 20 years ago and uh or whenever titanic whenever titanic won for best picture and uh whatever i was i was on the fox lot right after that and uh um doing something meeting somebody else and jim jim heard i was on the lot and uh, he got a message to me to come over and i came over and i hadn't seen him i think since uh uh i mean i'd seen him but i hadn't seen him you know, in the last month or two or whatever, since he since he'd won all the Academy Awards right. and, and for Titanic and this and that, and we were sitting around and we were um, just talking, and I I said to him, well, you, you know, just won the Academy Award for Best Picture, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, where where do you go from here? I mean, what's what's your next project? Yeah. And uh, he said. Um, I swear to God, this is true. Right. He, he was sitting in his desk. He opened up his desk drawers and he pulled out two scripts. One was called Alita Battle Angel. Okay. And the other one, the other one was called Avatar. Wow. Huh. And I said, cool. You, you, you've already got these, this, which one are you going to do first? And he said, Michael, I have to wait for the technology hmm. to, ca- to catch up. Right. To how I see these movies being made, and I was like, "Okay, all right. Well, you know, like, I, you know, I, I figured like year. I, I didn't really know. I knew what he meant, but yeah. it, I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be ten years before the technology caught up. And when he did Titanic, Titanic made more money than any other movie in the history of films. Yeah. And um, then." Um, you know, during that ten-year period of time, things like Harry Potter and other things came out, and some of the movies made more money. And you know, um, and he, but he waited ten years. And during that ten years, he was doing all that underwater, yeah. you know, diving the Titanic, diving um, yeah. um, the Lufthansa. I think he did. Uh, he went down deeper, and he would go down there. And see, he could go really, really deep in the submersibles, and um, he would go down there with uh, cameras and lights, 
And, you know, nobody had been down that low before with, with that kind of access to cameras and lights. And he was able to identify, and they were able to identify, like, species of underwater, um, you know, I, I guess you call them fish or, you know, whatever, that, like, nobody had ever heard of, nobody had ever seen before. And I think that, I think, I'm not, I'm not sure about this, but I think he identified, like, many, many, many different sorts of, of, of plants and right. things like that that, that, that live at, at, at those depths that he was able to uh, shoot. So he was just an amazing, an amazing, an amazing guy to be around, you know. And it's kind of like, uh, and he, you know, people always talk about, well, uh, here he's really tough to work with, and uh, and he is, um, uh, he's, he's very... Uh, I would say very demanding, you know, he's very like, he sets the bar high, you know, but you know, if you're an actor, young actor like me or whatever, and I, you know, like I I'm, I'm right there, you know, you set the bar and I'm going to, I'm going to meet it and, and even do better, you know? And he was, he was, um, you know, I never heard him yelling at anybody or anything. Right. He was just very, you know, he didn't treat the actors kind of with kid gloves like like a lot of the other um, uh, directors uh, did where you know like with crews not so much but with some actors and actresses they're just kind of treated like with kid gloves and he just kind of thought of the actors as part of the crew right. and so um you know he was he, he he's he and because of those films that that i did for him and had the ability to do then I just started working all the time. Yeah. I was just like working like nonstop, and um, and you know that's kind of where my career, like like even even you know at that time, I went off and I did three movies, and um, that you know could have you know if one of them would have been like a huge hit you know, maybe would have put me into that kind of like a Bruce Willis kind of uh, uh, um, stratus, stratus, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, I, um, um, or Tom Hanks or like one of those guys, yeah. but I did, I went out and I did, one of the next movies I did was Navy Seals okay. and, um, that was a movie that was just a disaster. <laughs> it was just a disaster. Um, they, they came to me and um, I read it. I didn't like it. I asked who was directing it. They told me Louis Teague. I looked him up. He didn't look like he had met, met, he didn't look like he was very good. <laughs> and um, he, I, you know, I was like, wow. Um, but so I, I, I passed on it said I didn't want to do it, but they were offering me a lot of money. That's just like, you know, we all kind of have our price when it comes right, to things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were offering me a lot of money. And, um, uh, but I, I said like, you know, I, I can't. I'll, um, um, I'll tell you the story. The, really what happened on that too was like, you know, they, they, I didn't like the script. They said they'd work on the script right. with, with me on any problems that I had on the script. They, they worked with me. And I, I said, all right. And then I went and I, I was looking at, for Lewis Teague's, 
uh, kind of credits and stuff like that. And he did, um, he did, uh, he did Cujo, a movie right? called, he, well, he did a movie called, um, what, what, you know, I was like going through the, going through the thing, uh, uh, going through, uh, uh, so, uh, when I was talking to my agent, my agent was telling him, well, he did this and he did that and he did this and he, and he did a woman in red. And I thought like a woman in red, cause he had done, I can't think of it, the sequel. He did a sequel to the, um, movie that, um, uh, was very successful. It was, uh, Michael Douglas. Oh and, yeah, he did. Um, what's the Jewel of the Nile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I went to see that movie. That movie is just terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really right. bad. Because the, the first one was great. Sequel. Yeah, Romancing the Stone yeah, was great. Yeah, yeah. Zemeckis, exactly, exactly. You got your, you got your, got your filmmakers down. And uh, so I knew he'd done that, and I was like, Ugh, you know. And then um, he was, you know. Um, uh, my, and um, my my agency did a woman in red, and I've been asking, so ah, woman in red, man, that was that was really good, Kelly LeBrock, and you know, and um, I thought, yeah, you know, like it was Gene Wilder, right. you know, it was like really, I thought it was like remember this being a, a very well shot movie and, and very kind of funny and classy and stuff, you know? So I, at that point said, okay, I'm in. And, um, you know, they were paying me a lot. They mm-hmm. said they were going to work on the script. And I figured if you could shoot, if you could do, um, a woman in red that, you know, who knows, maybe you could do a good job yeah. with this, even though his other stuff wasn't very, um, very good. good. Yeah. Everybody has their good movies and their bad movies. And, uh, so I was going through my my video store, and I was looking around. I saw a woman in red, and I went, "Oh, you know!" And I immediately grabbed it and picked it up, you know, because I wanted wanted to watch it. Right. And I looked in the back, and I saw uh, it was directed by um, um, it was directed by um, not not Louis T. It was uh, directed by the actor I just mentioned. Um, oh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, yeah, yeah. Gene Wilder directed it. And I was like, what, 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 what? <laughs> you know, and I called my agent up and I said, he, he told me that, that he, that you know, that like he directed a woman in the red. Gene Wilder directed a, mm. a woman in the red, and he said, Michael, Michael, I didn't say a woman in the red. I said a lady in red. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I told you. I'm, you know, I was reading, and I probably just got it mixed up in my head. So I, yeah. went, you know, I, I went to the, the front desk and I said, do you have a movie here called The Lady in Red? Mm. And the guy said, yeah, I think we do. And you know, it's over there in the, you know, like the, the whatever bin or right. whatever. <laughs> so you know, so yeah, I found it, and it was. It was Lewis Teague, and it was called A Lady in Red, and uh, it was a Roger Corman movie, and it was um, the guy who was in The Wild Wild West. That guy was starring in it, and I think Pamela Sue Anderson was in it. And um, it was, you know, not 
not that great. (laughs) (laughs) But by that time, I was, you know, they were, you know, I had already, and, 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 and after I turned the movie down, um, then Charlie Sheen basically took, took a role in it. And Charlie was pretty hot at that time. I think, 21 or 22 I think he got paid like three million dollars to be in that movie and I was thinking to myself okay you know Charlie Sheen's doing it and um, they said they could work on the script and uh, and so anyway it was just a disaster because I, I really wanted to make a really good strong film about Navy SEALs and who they were and right. and, and, and the studio kind of wanted to do a more kind of fun kind of funny kind of i don't know what they what they wanted and charlie who at the time was uh great great to work with and uh, uh he was he, he just has a way of kind of being comedic you know mm-hmm. he just he's just that that way and the movie was like half serious and and half like comedy kind mm-hmm. of comedy i would i wouldn't call it comedy right. but it was half serious and half stupid that's yeah. what i would call it yeah. and uh all the serious stuff in there was the stuff that i put in and all the stupid stuff was the stuff that, that, that yeah no it wasn't charlie himself you know charlie right. had nothing to, Char, charlie had really nothing to do it, with it it was just leftover stuff that yeah. i couldn't get them to change right you know i i couldn't get them to change and um you know i'll give you an example of of, of, of you know i at the beginning of that movie, I I was supposed to, you know, at the very beginning of that movie, we go in for a mission, and we're supposed to grab some guy that's being held by some terrorists, and it's really it's kind of ahead of its time, really, to think about it. But anyway, you, you, we're supposed to grab some therapist, uh, therapist, some um, <laughs> the um, terrorist, terrorist or, or, or some guy that ter- the terrorists were, were holding, grab him, and get him out of there and um you know get him get him on our helicopters and get him out of dodge and uh so on the way out we see all of these uh uh, uh surface to uh whatever missiles you know they right. have those like those missiles all there and the first part of the movie is about me you know, my guys are getting shot up, and there's a whole pile of these things, and and it's like, you know, it looks like there's a couple hundred of them, and it's like, you know, I had to make the decision, do I, do I, you know, stop and try to, you know, you know, blow up all these things, and, you know, put, put, put explosives on them, and blow them all up, because they're definitely in the enemy's, the enemy's hands, left over probably from Americans when they were fighting the Russians or whatever, but, um, they, um, and, and my guys are getting all shot up and I make the decision. No, I, I don't have time to do that. I'm going to take my guys and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge because it's too dangerous for my guys. I don't want to, I don't want any of my guys to get hurt. The, the original mission we did, and then I got back, and the rest of the movie was basically about kind of going back and trying to, to, to get those things. And about, you know, in the original script, about halfway through the movie, um, they, they, the bad guys take one of those seven 
uh, t- take one of those one of those uh, surface-to-air missiles, right. and they shoot down a 747 with like like 700 people on board. And I went to them. I said, "Dude, dude, man, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. You, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm the one who made that decision." You know, I'm the star of your movie. Right. And if you do that, you know, that kind of makes me responsible for the 700 people that got <laughs> shot, you know, innocent yeah. victims that got shot out of the sky. And, you know, I don't know. They just had it in their head and they, you know, kind of fought me on it. And I'm like, this it's ridiculous. This is, you know, I can never, re- I, 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 I tell you as, a, as the leading, as the star of your movie, I'll never recover from this. And I gave them a bunch of notes and rewrites and changes and all this sort of stuff. So the first batch of changes come back, and instead of it being like a 747 with like 500 people on board, it's a 737 with like 300 people on board. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it, guys. You don't get it, you know. And it ended up in the movie being... Some people that were already in the arena, they were, you know, either CIA or they were, you know, they were, they were operators. They were, they were, they were, they were fighting, really fighting a war. And it was a helicopter and like four guys get killed or whatever. And so I, I guess I kind of won that one, right. but even, even, even that, but that was kind of the mentality I was working up against. And, uh, and Lewis, you know, bless his heart you know he just uh, you know you can follow his career from there and, and see where he's gone and uh, he's he's um, he he just he just he, he was in the wrong job he should have yeah. been like a truck driver or something <laughs> like that right <laughs> yeah. nice guy nice guy yeah. but uh, well, but I want I really want it to be good yeah, yeah well, go ahead. at least you got to work with Bill Paxton again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Bill and Bill and I had uh, always had great times on movies. When when we did uh, Tombstone, we yeah. uh, we shied away from each other a little bit. We were all kind of young and kind of like uh, people. Out, they they asked me a lot. And I'm like, well, what's Val Kilmer to work with? Yeah. work with. And I'm like, or no, what's Val Kilmer like? You know. And I go like, yeah, I don't know Val Kilmer. I have no idea what he's like. I know what he's like to work with. You know. But not personally, was, right? Not a, not, I've never said a word to him. Well, recently, um, I don't think it's any um, secret that he's sick. And um, recently, um, I have, well, I would just say try to communicate with him. Right. And it's been difficult. He's mm-hmm. got some problems with his speech and so on and so forth. But um, I never... I never said a word to him the entire time that we worked on that movie. Never said it. You know, when we were working um, scenes together, you know, we would, yeah. you know, but we never, I don't know, I didn't know if he was married, I didn't know if he had any kids, yes. I didn't know. Well, I knew he was married because uh, uh, his wife, Joanne Wally Kilmer, was the star, the she was woman a, star right, in Navy yeah, Seals, of, yeah. of Navy Seals. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think at that time, I think at that time that marriage might have been, you know, I think they broke up pretty quickly mm-hmm. after that. But it, but that's that doesn't 
I don't even know why I'm talking about that. But my point really was, you know, what's Val Kilmer like? I don't know. I have no idea who he is as a person. I have no idea. Like Bill Paxton and I, like, we're buddies. And, like, yeah. every time we get together, we got we get together. We used to hang out a lot after Terminator and Aliens and, you know, and, you know, go to the nightclubs and, right. and you know, um, you know, he, he, and, and he was just so much fun, such a joy. And so, so full of energy. And, um, I did five films with him. So when you think about five films and every film is about three months long, you know, you're talking, you know, and you're there every day, you're yeah. talking about spending over a year of your life, you know, with somebody. And, uh, and he was just so much fun. And, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not the only person that'll that'll say, say that. this. Yeah. He probably made everybody feel like uh, they were his best friend. But uh, I, I spent a lot of time with him around the time that we that we were doing uh, in between Terminator. Right around the time when well, he introduced me to Jim Cameron, actually at a screening, but that was before Terminator, about six months before mm-hmm. the Terminator was being cast. And so he had been working down with Roger Corman, and he knew Jim from there and um so um and that's why he got cast as one of the the uh, hoodlums or whatever you want to call oh, it the yeah, beginning right. movie. yeah 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 how, did, yeah how did you meet him uh i met him on a movie called lords of discipline right okay. that frank frank rodham directed and david keith was starring in it and um it was based on a pat conroy book and it was about the first black cadet at uh, the Citadel, which is um, um, a military school in the South. And uh, um, like I said, based on a Pat Conroy novel, it was a really good script. And um, Bill was cast as, I was cast as the uh, antagonist in the movie. And Bill was cast as like kind of my second, you know, like yeah. a lot of antagonists have like right. that second guy who's yeah. always like mouthing off from behind the first guy. Of course, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like what uh, Stephen Lang did in Tombstone, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, so, so I met him during while we were shooting that and because again we were kind of on the same team all said you know we were the antagonist right. but you know we we didn't hang out with david keith you know we right. hung out with, with i hung out with bill right. and um and and that that's originally where i met him and, and bill at that time really hadn't done very much acting and bill was just full of energy yeah. and full of like you know like he was really big and so on screen, you know, you kind of had to put the reins on him a little bit and say, you know, you know, slow down here a little bit, just, you know, like, you know, just, you know, just, you know, pull back on the reins a little bit. Rodham used to talk about it a lot. And, uh, so, you know, um, and he did. And, but if you notice in, in the credits, if anybody ever sees the movie and it's, it's a pretty good movie. It, 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 it again, didn't do very well. Um, didn't have any love story in it or anything um i don't think uh, i don't remember it and about it but it was a pretty good movie frank was a, a good director he, he had directed a movie called quadrophenia okay the good that, movie, you know, yeah. Was, yeah a really good movie and um 
interesting guy, very, very interesting guy. And um, so I ended up doing another movie with him called K2, yeah. um, which was about the mountain, mountain climbing movie, which was so-so. But he, he uh, Bill and I got to know each other really well on that because like we were we were the two bad guys you know on the on the on on, on the show and uh i'll tell you i'll tell you a story i've, I've never told anybody else so you, your your podcast will have this okay awesome. okay and this is this is a true story all right so we're working late late at night and we shot at a place called wellington college and um um, yeah, you're working late, you get tired, you're working nights or whatever. And Bill came up to me and Bill said, listen, Michael, I got a little, um, a little blow, a little cocaine. <laughs> do you, uh, you, you want to, you want to, you, you want to do something? And I was like, you know, I, I, I was, I am an alcoholic and I've been sober for about 10 years, but right. I, at that time I was, I would take anything, you know, and right. I'm, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go. You know? So we went away from Wellington college into like a building that was kind of behind it. It like didn't have any of the lights on or anything. The door was open and like, I mean, we went about as far, as far away from that as that, as far away as you could possibly go to get you know away from anybody and everything and we got into this building and uh we went up a couple of stories and we found a room and you know <laughs> bill and i were, were were up there doing a couple of lines <laughs> and turn around and frank rodham was standing there. oh wow <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> both of us you know our heart just sunk and then Frank said got any left from me <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a story I've never told anybody before and out of you know um, you know Bill Paxson was a brilliantly fun fantastic guy and anybody who ever worked with him uh, will tell you that but you know he wasn't, he wasn't perfect. Right. You know? right. <laughs> and uh, it was just a funny story because the way Frank reacted to it. It's like, hey, is there any love for me? You know, wow. he went over, did a line or two, and we went, we went back to work. And uh, I never really got into that drug that much. My, my drug of choice was alcohol. But, you know, um, right. it was a funny story. That's, yeah, that's funny. But so, so basically, Hudson was, bas- was Bill Paxton, right? <laughs> There was no acting there. Um, Hudson, Hudson, Hudson. That was not the character he played. No, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, an alien. That's just basically him. Well, no. I mean, or was it written for him? I don't. I don't know. No. First of all, I know that he auditioned Jim for it. Okay. And um, oh, I think he auditioned. I, I, I could be wrong, but I know that a lot of people were were using. Um, Hudson's character to audition and that you know uh, using that same material but um, you know the idea that that guy was somebody that lost it when you know the chips were down and uh, became you know kind of frantic and 
you know, and that's, you know, that is not Bill. I mean, Bill, that, that kind of energy, yes. Yes, But right. the, the idea that he was cowardice. Oh, no, um, not, not that, of course, but just the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I Bill would be, work fine in, in, in my, in, in my foxhole. I'd be happy to have right. Bill Paxton in my foxhole, yeah. you know. I really, who I'd really want in my foxhole is Jim Cameron. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, yeah, no, Bill's, Bill was, uh, uh, and Bill worked really hard. He worked, he was very fun and fun to be around, but he was not, you know, when it came to the work, he was, you know, he didn't clown around right. at all. I mean, and when he was playing that character, he was just, you know, that to him was like, he wasn't being funny. He wasn't being outrageous. He was just scared, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that was, that was the character. And that's the way that he was written. Right. And, uh, that he, and nobody, you don't, you know, with Cameron, he's open to changes sometimes. Um, but, you know, mostly about 95 to almost about at least 95% of all the dialogue that I've ever done for Jim, you know, he's written. Right. Sometimes I've, you know, me and Linda, Linda and I have asked him to like move things around to change things. And I used to make a lot of suggestions about the movie and the way he was shooting it. Yeah. And about nine times out of ten, he would say, "No, no, I'm going to do it my way." <laughs> but every once in a while, he'd go, "Hey, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. That's right. a good idea." Yeah. Uh, one of one of those times was when I um, I did uh, I did that scene inside of the uh, interrogation room, and I'm with a psychiatrist, right. and that that scene was supposed to be played to the psychiatrist the whole scene and mm-hmm. I said to Jim you know Jim I, you know I think he would know that he was being filmed being recorded right? yeah, yeah. Exactly being, being recorded and could see that up there and why don't you let me like you know, I do half the thing that and when I start saying who's in charge here which was written I mean that's what's written on the page why don't you let me just like forget about him and let me take that right up to the um uh, you know, the, 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 the camera that's shooting me, you know? So I basically I, I'm handcuffed, but I get up off the chair and I get up and I kind of get in the face of that camera and it's pretty effective. It's much more effective than if I was just sitting there yelling at him. Right. And so like things like that, when, when Jim, Jim has, Jim has always had the confidence to know, uh, when somebody's got a good idea and it might even be better than what he has on paper. There's a lot of directors that are intimidated by a better idea. And they're like, well, you know, like, and they don't want to admit it or admit it in front of the crew or whatever. And so they'll stick to the guns about a bad choice um, and when you have a better one, but not Jim. And, and anybody, um, Billy Friedkin's the same way, um, you know, Michael Bay is the same right. one. People who have confidence in their filmmaking ability will let you, you make their help, help. They'll recognize a, a, um, they'll recognize a suggestion as, as, as not a threat, but as a, well, let me think about that. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Let's do it that way. Uh, but that takes a certain type of person to have a certain type of confidence. Otherwise some directors feel like, you know, they're being kind of, overrun or 
or hey, he had a better idea in front of me. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of the crew, and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, yeah, Bill was Bill was a very very. People ask me like, who was my favorite actor to work right. with? And you know, I've worked with a lot of a lot of actors and a lot of fun actors, and um, um, and a lot of you know good actors. You know, really good Ed Harris, and yeah. you know, just. just really really good people and um um I, and I always say bill bill's bill was always the most fun to work with he just brought a and and and, and just not even like on the set just like you know if you were meeting him at a bar someplace or mm-hmm. whatever you know he just brought an energy into the room which was like wow who's that guy right. <laughs> <laughs> loud but always smiling and laughing and really seemed to be enjoying really seemed to be one of these guys who really really enjoyed life and really really enjoyed um, working as an actor and understood that, that he had an opportunity to do something that not very many people get to do and he really really um, um, enjoyed it he just just enjoyed it. Yeah, it seemed to really just enjoy life, and I, I, I really miss him. I really miss him. You know, what happens when you, you know, you start working a lot is, you know, I used to hang out with him all the time when right. we were young, and we we're Terminator aliens around that time. But what happens is, you know, he starts working, and then I start working. He's working, I'm working. Well, they don't shoot that much stuff in L.A. You know, there's some TV series yeah. that are down there, but usually you're on location someplace. And Bill was always on location, and I was always on location. And you know, we would, you know, every, you know, we would be in town sometimes. And we, would, you know, we'd go to dinner and stuff like that. But when you're really working actors, you don't have that much time. And you know, I might not be working, and he's in like North Carolina, and or he's in, uh, he's in um, Nebraska or whatever. And I, I'm, I then I leave to go to Prague, and he's, you know, so. I, you know, as you grow older too, you know, you don't, you know, it's not like you're hanging with your buddies, you right. know, quite so much when you're in, in, in your fifties and so on and so forth. But he always was a, uh, just a dear friend. I really, really, really miss him. I, and, and I think that he had a lot left in him. He got better and better and better. And uh, he, he, he was kind of, direct i'm sure and uh, he had had already directed two films one which was extremely extremely well received Frailty, yeah. little yeah yeah frailty was like fantastic and uh, he told me he was going to do the the other movie and, and i said well what's it about and he says well it's about golf and i went bill <laughs> <laughs> well golf you gotta make a movie about golf i mean i mean uh What's uh, I forget his name. Pulled it off a tin, tin, tin cup. Oh, um, uh, was it Ron Sheldon? No, yeah. God, you're you're good. Man. You're <laughs> really good. You're really good. Yeah, it was Ron Sheldon. Uh, pulled it off a tin cup, but you know, to me, not much. I mean, you got to be really bored to watch a golf tournament. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I I know that there are I agree. A lot of guys that I agree. That yeah. yeah. So. Um, he told me he was going to do a movie about golf, and I was like, okay, well, you know, good luck with that one, yeah. you know. But he was uh, he was a fun guy. Yeah. He was a fun guy. We miss him. Yeah, absolutely, his roles, definitely, yeah. 
How, how did you find out that your scene was cut in Terminator 2? Uh, Jim called me up. Okay. And um, the thing about uh, Jim's films is they're always long. They're always right. big and long. Um, and he had to cut it down to a, a size. I believe it has something to do with uh, being able to show the film in a theater either either three times a night or two times a night right. or two times, you know, something like that. Because, you know, if they're, if they're too long, you can't show the, you know, yeah. it just gets too late for the third one or whatever. And, um, and he, he, he called me and, and, and told me, and it was, it was really one of the last things, one of the very last scenes that was cut out actually when they did the, uh, the ads on television yeah. that that scene was in in the ads um but he, he you know he said listen you know i had to cut it down and you know i had a couple other flashback scenes in the movie and uh i was like first of all i got paid extremely well right. for that one day for that one day i went in for rehearsals for one day and then i got then and then I worked one day on that movie and got paid extremely well. And, um, you know, as it turns out, you know, if you want to see me in it, then you just go get the director's cut, you know, and that's, you know, that's, you know, now, you know, people are aware of, of it now. There's a lot of stuff that was cut out of Tombstone. Lots and lots and lots. I have some, uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 a lot of the cowboy stuff was cut out of Tombstone. It was a much grayer story than what it ended up being, and that was a very, that was a very troubled um, set with a, a director being fired right. and uh, you know, uh, scenes being ripped out so we could uh, make it on time, and um, uh, you know, that's a movie that. To this day, you know, especially in places, you know, especially, well, everywhere, really, but especially in the Southwest and all up anywhere, anybody, you know, not overseas as much, but most people love that movie. People talk about that movie as being their favorite Western. And they'll say, that's my favorite Western. It's my my favorite Western by far, yeah. Well... What about Unforgiven? <laughs> What's that? Which one? What Unforgiven? I, I like it. I, yeah, I, I like that too. I, I just because you like Tombstone better. I, I do. I, I do. I, I just yeah. cool. the, the cast. Well, the, you know, and every, I know. everyone I in know. there, it just does a great job. I mean, Val steals it. You. Yeah. Um, yeah. All. Yeah. Sam Elliott playing Sam Elliott, pretty much. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's 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 fantastic, and it's funny because I I saw that movie um, when it first came out. But when I was in college, they had like a um, like a two dollar theater that would play the movies that were out of the theater the first run, but they'd bring them back. Sure. And Tombstone was playing. I must have seen it maybe four or five times in that theater with with our <laughs> really? friends. Yeah, it was it, it was great. It was it was, and you know the, the scene with you and uh, Val at the end, the, the duel was was fantastic as well. Well, you know when I when I say that Val and I never spoke, um, and, and and we didn't really. But what Val's Val is um, he 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 works hard, and he's 
very, very talented, very, very talented actor. And, you know, doesn't suffer fools. And, and, uh, when one of the reasons why I think that that, 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 um, by that time, you know, we'd lost the director. We had uh, a new director in mm-hmm. who basically George Cosmatos was known for his visual style. I'm not sure if he knew, you know, who the good guys were. But he, you know, but he was visually, he made that movie what it was. And, uh, um, so, um, Val and I decided that we were going to go out because the next day we were going to shoot that scene and we were going to go out to the location and work on that scene. And so we did. And, you know, it, it wasn't like we were being, it wasn't like we were friendly. Right. It was kind of like, you know, like kind of like two people, you know, that play on the same football team, you know, but don't really like each other yeah. very much, but, but still you know, have to, you know, you know, still have to, you know, block the same way, you know, you have to, you know, carry out the game plan or the play or whatever it is. It was kind of the way that we acted. There was no, hey, how you doing? You know, shaking hands. Uh, not, not at all. Not, mm-hmm. Nothing like that. This, you know, people say, oh, method acting. It's like nothing. It has nothing to do with method acting. Method acting is, to me, like, was so confusing. I, 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 I can't believe anybody ever did that. That was so bizarre to me, that whole method actor right. thing. But, um, and, but, um, but it's, it's just kind of the way that you get on a set and you just like, you know, I just didn't like him. I didn't like him, and I, you know, and, and I didn't like Kurt. And Kurt, by the way, is one of the nicest, you know, fun, yeah friendly and um, if it wouldn't have been for Kurt and uh, a producer who's now passed away named Jim Jacks um, I don't think a movie would have gotten made because they, they shut us down after four weeks, it was like an 11 week shoot we had a 130 page script and it was basically up to Kurt and um, um, uh, Jim Jacks to basically start tearing scenes out of that script so we could make make the schedule. And like I said, it used to be, it was a much grayer story. It wasn't like the good guys and the bad guys. It was more, there wasn't necessarily good guys and bad guys. It was just what it was. And that, people don't really know it. I think Wyatt Earp, oh, this, this big hero. Wyatt Earp was like, he was no you know, big hero. And they went down there in the shootout at OK Corral. There three cowboys, three cowboys, and uh, each one of them had on a Colt, and each one of them had five bullets in a Colt. People didn't carry six bullets because if they dropped their guns, like possibly, you know, they, they could go off. So they'd carry an empty chamber. And then, so they had 15, let me see, yeah, 15 bullets between them. And the herbs went down there, and they all had, you know, double six shooters. So they each had um, twelve bullets, and um, there were three of them. And then, then, then uh, Doc Holliday had his six shooter, and he had the um, shotgun. 
And they just went down there and they massacred those three guys, as far as I'm concerned. Now, right. I'm a cowboy, so. Yeah, know, of course. Yeah. It's just kind of the way that I look at things. You, you know, you could talk to Kurt Russell and he might have a different opinion about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, Wyatt Earp was, you know, he spent the first, you know, 30 years of his life, like, in whorehouses, bouncing at whorehouses, and he ended up marrying a hooker. Not that there's anything wrong with hookers, like, you know, like, I've got nothing against that, but no. I'm just saying, you know, he went to Dodge City, and he, you know, whatever, you know, put on a badge in Dodge City, and really didn't do much, and what he was really known for more than anything else was the, was the shootout at OK Corral, and there was a, at, back at that, at that time, there were a lot of people that felt that they just went down there and killed them, you know, killed those three guys, massacred them, and they were going to be tried. There was an inquiry to whether there should be a trial and whether the ERP should be tried for murder. And it just, you know, like half the city felt one way and half right. the city felt the other way, and it uh, they ended up kind of skating on and uh, um, not having to go to trial. But... Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was kind of has turned out to be. Although I think the, uh, I think it was I think the, my performance in um, in um, uh, the abyss oh, in the abyss is. in the abyss was was as good, you know. I, but 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 my he's like Johnny Ringo's my favorite bad. I played a lot of bad guys in my. Right. Um, antagonists in right. my, my my years of acting going going way back to like fan you know right. I was 21 years old I was the bad guy in it you know and um, so you know people are always asking me how come you always get killed in your movies how come you always get killed in your movies well you know that's what you usually have yeah. <laughs> bad guys you know right. they usually don't you know they yeah. usually, usually don't survive the movie right. and uh so anyway, yeah. and, um, and you play a lot of uh, military guys too. <laughs> I do, I yeah. do, I have, I you know, and it just you know, I'm, I was never in the military. I you know, I I'm about as far from a Navy SEAL that you could <laughs> ever imagine. You know, I could never get over that obstacle course. Mm-hmm. I could never be. You know, I'm not a I'm not really an athletic person. I'm. I, you know, I look kind of studly in those movies because yeah. I would go to the gym and I would lift weights right. and I, I look, you know, but to be a good athlete, really, there's certain, there's a certain criteria. One is, is that you, you know, it, it helps if you're really fast and I'm not yeah. really fast at all. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of slow <laughs> and it helps if you're, if you're really strong, that helps a lot too, if you're really strong right. and I'm not really strong. My brother was a good athlete. He used to like jump up on a high bar and like do like 10 pull-ups, not chin-ups, pull-ups, you know? And I jump up and uh, maybe could squeeze off one, you know? And that, you know, I just, just didn't have any, I like, I've never won an arm wrestling match in my life. You know, even girls, girls beat me when they are, you know? And the other thing is if you can jump, you know, maybe play basketball or whatever. And uh, I can't do that either. I, I'm six foot tall. And I think yeah. once in high school, I, I might have nicked the rim with my finger when I was trying to, yeah. you know, jump up and hit it. So I'm, a, I'm not an athlete. And, um, I, you know, I, I would have been fine um, going to Vietnam or we've been fine. 
to, um, if I'm a really bad navigator too, I can't even find my way around the neighborhood, let alone, you know, yeah. um, Iraq in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> all those, those halo jumps that they do and stuff right. like that. Just, just, there's no way. There's no way. So, you know, I got to be around all these guys. I got to experience all this stuff. I've traveled all over the world. I've shot every city in Canada. I've shot at New York City. I've shot South Carolina. I've shot Florida. I've shot Miami. I've shot um, uh, Texas. I've shot in in France and England. I did two movies in England. I shot in France. I've shot in Spain. I've shot in um, uh, China. I've shot um, in uh, Turkey and just like uh, Prague. Prague when it was still a when it, I was in Prague when it was still part of the Soviet mm-hmm. Union, which was interesting. They were shooting. Uh, we I was shooting something there, and then uh, they were shooting um, Amadeus okay. um, and, and uh, Thomas Hulse. Yeah. who played um, Amadeus. We were staying in the same hotel. It's called the International Hotel. It was, like, terrible there. Like, you know, it was really poor, people in bread lines and stuff like that. But he used to come back from 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 rehearsals, not rehearsals, from shooting. And, and he was always grumbling and mumbling and, and, and angry about the fact that, like, Milos Foreman, who directed right. it, had heard, had heard him at lunch once. Like you know, like somebody said something to him, and he laughed. And he and Milos Foreman heard that laugh, and then told uh, Thomas that, that that he want you know like do it here, do it here, do it here. And and Hulse kept he'd come back to after a day's work, going like he had me do it again. I can't believe it. You know, he's like really kind of angry about right. the whole thing. I can't believe that he's having me do this, you know. I'm, you know, and you know, when you look at the movie now you look back and it's kind of the most, you know, iconic thing about that movie yeah. is Amadeus's laugh. Yeah, right. So, you know, sometimes sometimes directors do know best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um and you got a hand in directing too. You directed uh the victim, which you wrote and produced, right, and starred in uh, with your production company. Yeah, but, yeah, and that people people have to understand uh, when they see that movie that um, what happens, what was happening a lot right when the, the market crashed, two thousand six, two thousand seven, right around in there. Um, there were a lot of people that were coming to me and they'd offer me um, a certain amount of money to play a role. And I'd read the script and I would say, okay, I'll do it. And up until that time, you know, you got an offer, you got an offer, you did it, you did it, and that was all there was to it. There got to be a lot of people that would, they would, and it took me kind of a while to catch on, but there were a lot of people that would offer me money. I'd get the offer and then what they would do is they would then go out and say, you know, I've got Michael Bean and maybe they've done it with somebody else and, and, and I've got Val Kilmer or whatever. And, um, and then they would try to raise the money on the fact that we had said yes to their to their offers. And usually they didn't raise the money and it would fall out. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, 
I was like, you know, getting ready to get on an airplane and then hear like, you know, the movie is like not going to be, be made. It almost happened on a movie that a lot of people don't know. It's a dark movie, really dark movie. It's called The Divide. Okay. Uh, and it almost happened on, on The Divide too. I mean, it did happen, but somebody else stepped in to, to, uh, to uh, save the day. Um, but so that was, that was happening a lot. So somebody came to me with a script once and it was called the victim and uh i think a couple of characters made this but it was more it was a first time first time uh writer and uh, it it was more kind of like um like uh like the saw movie okay, the right, saw right. Movie yeah. was so popular yeah it's kind of more a little bit more like that and it didn't really read so much like a script it read almost like a no, no, novella sort of and it was not it was just you could tell that the person that written it had not a lot of experience and you know somebody offered it to me and offered me um you know money for it to, to, to be in it and i i was just like no i i, I don't want to do this yeah. and uh, about the same time somewhere around the same time a couple months later or whatever i got this guy um and he um, he came to me and he said he had some money and uh, that uh, uh, he wanted to make a movie about Kirk, not Kirk Douglas. Um, uh, who's the guy who was in Trapeze? Uh, is that Burt Lancaster? You know? Yeah, Burt Lancaster. God, you're good, buddy. <laughs> you're really good, man. Burt Lancaster, yeah. Um, yeah, and he he looked just like Burt Lancaster, and uh, he said he wanted he wanted to make a movie about Burt Lancaster, <clears throat> and um, I said to him, "Well, how much money do you have?" And he and he wanted to make a movie about Burt Lancaster back in the days when he was like doing the trapeze and all that kind of stuff, you know, and in the circus and all that. And uh, I said, "How much money do you have?" And he said, "I've got five hundred thousand dollars." And I'm like, dude, you know, I ain't making no movie about Burt Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a period piece about Burt Lancaster, you know, for five hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's just not gonna happen. You know, but uh, thanks anyway. Um, good luck with it, and so on and so forth. So then, you know, I worked with I worked with Robert Rodriguez, and I've had a lot of a lot of Jim used to always tell me I should direct. Um, uh, Robert told me I should direct, and uh, uh, I kind of, kind of got, uh, you know, Robert. When you read his book, Rebel Without a Crew, it's right. just kind of like uh, Jim Cameron basically said about Robert Rodriguez. He said the brilliant thing about Robert Rodriguez, and I don't think Jim throws around that word very often, mm-hmm. but he said the brilliant thing about Robert is that he just doesn't understand that he can't do something. Right. He just he doesn't understand that. There's no like you know I can't do it. No, he doesn't understand that. Just like go. And um, so I worked with Robert on Grindhouse, and um, I kind of got an idea of what these like low budget yeah. uh, movies kind of were all about. And um, I think it was after I did the Divide. Oh yeah, I, I worked with Xavier Jens, and um, I was working with Xavier on the Divide, and he had done a previous movie over in France that had uh, that was very good 
Fox, like David Fincher tried to do Aliens 3, and Fox jumped in with all their great ideas and turned that <laughs> into what that was. Yeah. And he had, he had the same uh, situation happen to him on Hitman, and he really, he really disliked Fox. But anyway, he did The Divide, and um, I looked at the first movie that he did, I forget the name of it, but it was over in France, and the skies were like, it's kind of like these beautiful lit. It's almost like the skies were lit, but it was really, really beautiful, and really had a beautiful look to it. And I said, how, how, do, you, how do you shoot that? How do you get the skies to look like that? And he said, Michael, I shot this film. That, that was shot day for night. Meaning, you know, you shoot a scene um, at, um, d- during the day, but, you know, you do something to the camera and then you do something to the way that you uh, develop the film or these days the um, whatever you call it. And, you know, you can shoot it during the day and make it look like night. And I thought, oh, oh okay, well. So then, uh, something happened, um, um, and I kind of got the idea. Well, maybe, maybe I, maybe it would be fun to make make a little movie, like one of these little grindhouse movies. So I called that guy who had that script before that was really kind of a page one rewrite, mm-hmm. and uh, I called back. Um, the other guy uh, that wanted to play Burt Lancaster, and I said, "You still have that five hundred thousand He said, "Like, no, actually, I don't." You know, I said, "Well, how much do you have?" And he said, "Well, I've got about two hundred thousand okay. dollars." And I said, um, "Okay, well, if you're interested, um, I'm going to rewrite this guy's script, and um, um, if you want to, and he is an actor also." If you want to be in it and so on and so forth, give me that money and I'll make a movie called The Victim. And um, he said, okay. So, you know, I was a little bit wary, again, with the money, whether it was going to, you know, kind of really come in or not, you know. And, um, but so I was kind of like uh, just uh, chilling, you know, it was kind of on the, like, not on the back burner, but it was there. But you know, I wasn't really paying that much attention. And all of a sudden, I got I got a check, and um, I got a check, and you know, for a lot of money. And I realized that you know he was serious about making this movie. So I had to immediately rewrite this other guy's script, and then I I rewrote the script. In 12 days, I, re- I kind of really wrote a script in 12 days. And during that 12-day period, I did all pre-production on the movie, which is not the way that you want right, to do right, without a script. That's just not the way you want to go. But I was just kind of like, follow me, you know. We're going to need, like, these two actors. We're going to need, you know, this. Let's go find a, you know, a... Uh, Whenever you see a movie that's kind of like a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. you know it's a low-budget movie, right, you know? Right, yeah. had, had, had to find our, our location and our locations. 
turned out to be almost like a location, shot the whole thing basically on one. And, you know, I, I needed to crew up and find people, you know, catering and deal with the Screen Actors Guild. And, and the whole time I'm writing the movie and we then took a weekend off and I went in and shot the movie in 12 days. I shot the movie in 12, Terminator was an 11 week shoot, hmm. all right? I shot this in uh, 12 days. And I only, these days you can do it a lot easier because more people use like two or three cameras, right. you know, uh, on, on, but I used to use one camera, red, shot it day for night. So the whole thing was shot during the day, but the whole movie takes place at mm-hmm. night. And um, I kind of made it with a, kind of a I was kind of a, a a wink that like to the audience hopefully that they knew that you know I, I wasn't taking myself that seriously right, yeah. um, the, the movie opens up it opens up with a line that I didn't want but somehow got stuck in there anyway <laughs> but I wanted I wanted it to say this movie is not based on real events you know and I thought that but it ended up being this movie is based on real yeah. events not but yeah. that that's not what i wanted that, right. but somehow that you know when you make a movie somehow things slip by and I, I, what i wanted was this movie is not based on real events which i thought okay that's going to set the tone for yeah. people that know that you know and you know it's kind of kitschy and you know there's nods to clint eastwood there's like uh uh, I, I, Quentin Tarantino, there's a nod to him in there. Uh, my the character's name is Kyle, yeah. you know, kind Kyle of Reese, Kyle, Reese, Reese, yeah. Kyle Reese. And, uh, you know, I do, um, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, you know, I didn't have any money. I mean, I yeah. had no money. Right. So like, so like I, I couldn't do like zombies because I didn't have enough money to pay yeah. for somebody to do all the you know make all up. the uh, makeup and, and and effects and stuff like yeah. that. And so basically, I I just looked over at my wife at the time and said, "Would you be willing you know to get naked for this?" And <laughs> she said, "Yeah, sure, okay." <laughs> um, and then we, she had a friend who's kind of the queen of the B movie oh, yeah. horror movie. Danielle Harris. Daniel yeah. Right. And I asked Danielle if she'd be willing to participate in the sex sex scene. And uh, she said, yes, I think we gave her five grand. And, um, and then, so I had sex, you know, I was, was this was just nothing but exploitation. Right. So I had sex. I threw in like some dirty cops, and yeah. drugs, and, um, I did like a little, little bit of torture, just a tiny a bit, bit, just yeah. a little bit, you know, yeah. not like saw or anything, but just a little bit. And uh, I had enough money to do a little bit of action, and then I just threw a serial killer in, just for the, <laughs> you know, like cover all the bases here. Yeah, it was know? it was a good and, twist at uh, the end. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then it was, you know, so when people see the movie, you know, you kind of have to realize that. If you have um, five million dollars to build a house, the house is going to look a certain way. Right. If you've got five hundred thousand dollars to build a house, it's going to look a certain way. Now it can still look nice; it can still be a nice little five hundred thousand dollar house. 
but it's never going to look like a five million dollar house, yeah. you know. And uh, so it was really, really done on on on, um, uh, and, we, and and really for the people that I think that uh, kind of like those kind of movies, you know, it was yeah. really well received at all the film festivals that we went to, and um, you know, it was you know. Uh, it was reviewed really well by all the kind of like nerdy kind of you know people that go to those type of movies. Yeah. Didn't didn't do quite as well with the New York Times, you know the New the New York Times, the L.A. Times, yeah. you know. Um, um, uh, but but it, it, I didn't really care about that so yeah. much. I, I just you know, uh, and I spent the entire time. People ask me about like. Uh, working with the directors who are difficult. Hey, I hear Jim Cameron's really tough, you know. And, well, no, not really. You know, I hear Billy Friedkin's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty crazy, but so am I. So, you know, the, you know, he wants to yell at me, I'll yell back at him, you know, no big deal, you know. But I spent the entire movie just, like, screaming. <laughs> you know, like, I, was, I was just, like, you know, screaming the entire time. Not, like, at anybody. Yeah. Not, like, anything like, hey, you... You, you. It's like, where's my prop? Where's the prop? Where's the prop? We don't have time. Or we'd be doing a scene, and somebody outside would be talking. You know, and I'm like, I burst out the door. Shut the f up, man. We're trying. <laughs> what is so important out here that you have to be talking? We're shooting. You know, and I was, I scream like, if anybody ever says, is this person tough to work with? Is this person? I'm tough to work right. with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tough to work with. But I'll say this, nobody quit, nobody got fired. So okay. I think they all realized that I was just a big bag of wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I think they started taking bets towards the end of the, the, the last couple of days of shooting of, of, at what time uh, of the morning I, w- I would go off. Right. <laughs> 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 so that, that was my experience with low-budget filmmaking, and people asked if I would ever direct again. I would direct again if I, you know, if I had a good story, yeah. put together a good crew and stuff, but never, never anything like that again. Too old for that now, right. <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, you know, it just was like we had one location, and uh, uh, all the driving sequences were done on. There was uh, one guy who had a piece of property in a long. It was supposed to take place in. Uh, in uh, Flagstaff in Arizona. The, the, the movie was supposed to take place there. We shot it in Topanga Canyon. Where, so in Topanga Canyon in L.A., there's a lot of, like, trees and so on and so forth. And so, but for all the, for all the uh, car stuff that I did in, in the movie, um, you know, there's not that many places in L.A. where, you, where it looks like... Um, um, Arizona, where it looks like where the film was supposed to be shot, and um, there's one guy who had like a really, really long driveway, and he's a very wealthy guy, and he had trees on both sides of his driveway driving up, and then you drive up to his house, and then you turn down and drive down. It was like a circle, 
And so we did all the driving sequences in this guy's driveway. We just drive up his driveway and turn around and drive back down his driveway and then go back up his driveway and then go back down his driveway because there were trees, you know, on both sides of us. So it looked like we were out in the middle of like the mountains or whatever, you know. So it was it was pretty it was pretty low budget, pretty pretty fun. I I, I you know I, I have I have fond memories looking back at it, but. Uh, I'd, I'd never do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you, you briefly mentioned before uh, Aliens 3, which I, luckily I've never seen the movie, but you um, recorded an audio version of the original script that's coming out, I think, next week, correct? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure if that was the original script okay. or not. Um I was told, you know, and you never really, you never really know exactly what, what happened, you know, Aliens 3 was a, um, mess, and I think that, uh, David Fincher says nobody hates that movie more than I do, you know, and, uh, you know, he obviously is an extraordinary, extraordinarily talented director, who went on to do seven right. and he won an Academy Award yeah. for, so, you know, you'll, you'll probably know what it was, something to do with the internet or whatever. And, uh, he, you know, he's a great director. He's just a great director. But again, with Fox, like Xavier, you know, they were sticking their hands in there. And supposedly they, they said that, you know, Sigourney Weaver didn't want to do the next one. I have a feeling she was probably holding out you know, okay. for a certain amount of money. Right. I could, I could be wrong. Maybe she said she didn't want to be in it and then changed her mind. But in the meantime, they wrote this other script that kind of uh, didn't have her in it. And, um, and it was mostly me and Newt and then a new, a new kind of group of people. Okay. And it was written by, written by a guy named William Gibson. And it's always been kind of like, always been talked about what, what 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 would that have been like because three you know ended up disappointing a lot of people not only um venture but 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 you know I'll, I'll tell you who was really quite i think upset with it was was cameron because you know he spent like the last at least the last third maybe the almost the whole movie but the last third of this movie was about saving new i mean the, you know save it you know yeah. And, you know, audience, you know, they learn to, you know, kind of, they fall for, for new, they fall for, for Hicks and they, you know, so to have them like, and, and like dead on arrival in the next picture was really a bad, bad, bad decision by whoever made that decision. Right. And, uh, but anyway, there was this other script that I think they were saying to Sigourney, and this is, uh, this is me just guessing her, she's supposedly said she didn't want to be in any more aliens movies but obviously she did because she did (laughs) two or three more whatever it was but um i have a feeling it was more of a negotiating type of thing and they go well we got this other script here and we're just going to go with michael bean and blah 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 and um anyway she signed to do the movie and then she went on to, to direct it and you know i'm really glad it wasn't in that movie (laughs) (laughs) but but um um so there's always been this talk about this other script and what it could have been like what if you know how you know 
how, 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 what it could have been. And, um, so I was contacted recently and asked if I would do the audio for it. And I asked if, if Lance was going to do it and they said, yes. And, uh, I thought I called up Jim, I called Jim and I asked him, I said, listen, Jim, they, you know, cause Jim at this point had, he was doing some, um, press on Alita battle angel. Right. And so they asked, somebody asked him about the Neil Bloomkamp idea of kind of acting like none of the aliens ever existed except for the first two that he had the third one. Sigourney really wanted to do that. And Neil really wanted to do it. But Ridley Scott, (laughs) Ridley Scott, I don't think wanted them to do it. And so Ridley Scott came out and he made alien, the covenant, which just tank. And, um, um, Anyway, so getting back to the uh, the thing, they asked me if I, if I would come in, if I would read uh, the character of, of Hicks. And, um, I, you know, they were paying me, of course, and I, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I, I called Jim up, and I said, Jim, do you care if I, if I, he's like, no, Michael, go, you, you know, do whatever you want. You created Hicks, do whatever you want with him. And well, I didn't create Hicks, but he yeah. said something along those lines, like he's all he's yours, you know, do whatever you want. With and uh, so I, I did it, and it, you know, I didn't normally, you know, when I get a script, I usually have multiple meetings with you know directors and writers and say, you know, this works, this doesn't work, you know, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that, you know, but this was not that kind of situation. So like, I, it wasn't like I got sent the script and go, well, you know, Hicks wouldn't do this and Hicks wouldn't do that. You know, you know, they got him like cussing and profanity right. and he's talking. You know, like, I, I've always said about Hicks that in the original movie, you know, the scripts are about 120 pages, usually two hours. And, um, I've always said that you could probably take in, in Jim Cameron's aliens, you could always take um, um, you could always take Hicks's lines. He could probably put all of his lines on about five pages of that script. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where in this one, you know, he was just gabbing away and cussing, and screaming, and everything. And so, um, you know, people will make up their own mind whether they, you know think that it was would have been better than what David Fincher had done but I'll tell you that the truth of the matter is is that you know nobody nobody was ever going to follow Jim Cameron's aliens no. and you know it, it to this day I, I I feel to this day it's his best movie but you know I I you know, that's just my opinion. I'm in it, of course, so I'm biased, but I think mm-hmm. it's the best movie that he ever made. And um, um, this, this, you know, people, yes, I did do the uh, voiceover for Hicks, but I didn't change anything. I did it exactly as it was written. If I got, if I got that script, and and Fincher was directing it at that time, I would have went in and said, David, you know, we got to cut all this verbiage out, and I'm not going to have him swearing, and you know, like blah blah blah. There would have been a lot of meetings, and I would have tried to do the best I could to do Hicks the way that Jim had written him. And um, 
but but there was no reason for me to really do that on this because you know people wanted to see what the script was so they can make up their own minds about it but that's all i can say is that nobody was going to follow jim cameron's <laughs> you know just it you might like it, you might not like it, you right. might think it's okay, you might whatever, but it's not, it was never going to be uh, as good as or better than, than than what Jim had previously done in two. But, uh, you know, we'll see, you know about, about a month ago, Jim was doing um, press for Alita and yeah. Battle Angel, and somebody said to him, because Neil Bloomkamp wanted to do this thing that I talked about, and that, that Sigourney wanted to do so badly, and and uh, and they asked Jim, "Hey, is, is, is there any chance we're ever going to see that Neil Bloomkamp thing that uh, uh, you know that Sigourney wanted to make so badly?" And he said, "I'm working on it." Mm. Yeah. So, you know, when Jim Cameron says he's working on something, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. I just don't like seeing him coming back a year from now, kind of, you know, looking down, shuffling his feet and saying, well, I really could, I couldn't get it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I don't know if, it, I don't know if, it, if, if it'll ever get made. Um, the way that I look at it is that like I was in the best aliens and was like the leading man and star of the best aliens that they ever made. Right. So, exactly. you know, anything anything I do from here on out is going to be not as good as that movie. And uh, but you know, I'm still like I'd like to work with Sigourney again, and I'd like, I, you know, uh, he's a interesting filmmaker, and um, so I, I would I would probably do it. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I've gotten to, um, I'm 62 now, and I've just kind of gotten to a place where, uh, unless somebody really good comes along, you know, unless Jim came along and asked yeah. me to do something, or, 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 I think Billy's getting a little old, but, 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 you know, Michael Bay or people I've worked with before, or Clint Eastwood or Woody Allen, or somebody came along and was actually interested in me for something that was, you know, looked like it could be really good. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably go, I'd probably work on it, but, like, for me to go work and, you know, go do seven episodes of The Walking Dead or something, it's like, you know, like, why? You know, really, you know, and I, I, um, you know, I've got a really good pension from uh, the Screen Actors Guild, and I'm financially secure and I have a little five-year-olds I've got five boys but I've got a little five-year-old at home now so if I go do a movie you know that's like three months unless I take him with me you know um that's three months away from him and even even if you take a child with you on a location you know you're working 12-hour days so you know yeah and you know I'm just having so much fun with him now and uh I don't know, maybe when he gets into school uh, a couple of years from now. And, and like I said, if, if the Neil Bloomkamp thing, you know, comes around, um, I'll think about that. But, um, you know, though I look back at my career and I look back to when I told you that, like, you know, I would have sold my soul to, to just do commercials for the rest yeah. of my life. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's been a, it's been a really, 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 really fun and interesting 
career and life, you know. I mean, I could have just as easily been a school teacher in Lake Havasville. But, you know, this is this is this is how it turned out in Nebraska, you know. I didn't and and I like I said, you know, I got a little bit lucky by, by but I was working a lot, but still it would have been a different career without James Cameron. And when I met him that changed everything and um it's just been it's just been a lot of fun. I got I saw I didn't really take acting that seriously until I saw Taxi Driver. Right. I saw when I saw Taxi Driver. I was like, "Wow!" I, and I want to do what that guy's doing. That 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 I want to do. And that's kind of what shifted me from just thinking, "Oh, you know, maybe I'll be a model. Maybe I'll be a, <laughs> you know, like right. oh, I want to do a TV series. You know, I want you know whatever." No, I wanted to beat De Niro. That's and of course I never got to beat De Niro, but <laughs> he certainly inspired me to like crank it up a notch to where I was a pretty intense guy walking around those sets, you know, of the abyss, yeah. uh, and not so much Aliens, but certainly um, Terminator and um, you know other movies that I did where I needed to be, you know. Um, um, and people are always saying like, like, like you're so like always so intense, you know. And I said, well, like you, you would be too if like aliens were chasing. Right. <laughs> so um, it's been a really, you know, wonderful career, and um, I've had a lot of a lot of fun. Um, a few disappointments, but you know that not really. I mean, nothing that like really floored me. Nothing right. that really. You know, like um, there are, I, I can mention a lot of uh, pictures which I won't that that I that I was up for, and uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever turned down anything that went on to be, you know, like oh god, I should have done that role. This guy just yeah. killed it, you know. So I don't really have any um, uh, reservations about you know, like you know, I just I look back at it as like wow, I. I, I, you know, people are, are, are calling me iconic now. Let me get my dictionary out. Find out what, find out what that word means. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, <laughs> but I got to ask you about one more role, another intense military role, which, of course, you end up dying in, was The Rock, which is another fantastic movie that you were in that you mentioned Michael Bay before. Yeah. Well, um, The Rock was... Um, uh, a movie that Michael Bay um, just um, uh, offered to me, and um, you know, it was, it was a SEAL team, and you know, I had been been around a lot of SEALs at that point, and and, and knew, still know a lot of, of, of operators, and you know, it was a really good script. And I mean, Sean Connery. I mean, right. you know. You really you're gonna like not do a movie that Sean Connery's <laughs> in, and, and plus Fincher had just come off of uh, uh, oh that movie with the two guys. I forget it. Forget the name of it. It was um, I'll think of it. They just they just remade it. I think it's coming out now on something, and it's girl bad bad boy. Oh bad boy. Oh, oh yeah, bad Will boy. Smith. Yeah. Now yeah now we're getting bad girls. Bad girls. <laughs> Movie, the movie business is changing so much. I mean, so much content out there now. It's just 
so much like oh here like uh, so-and-so's on its fourth season uh, it's opening its fourth season i'm like what like, what what is it i never I heard of it yeah know? i know <laughs> it'll be on like the national geographic channel and yeah. now youtube is doing content and like like i i predict that uh, tom cruise tom hanks are going to be the last movie stars they'll never be movie stars again like there were back in the day of right. you know, john wayne and paul newman just there's too much content out there yeah it's hard to keep track. if you want to watch sports you can watch you know the nfl channel all day you can watch golf all day you can watch yeah. you know tennis you can watch you know um darts you can watch <laughs> you know if yeah. you want to watch news god knows there's like enough news out there um if you want to watch, you know, uh, uh, all of the Gilligan's Islands, you can watch all the I Love Lucy's. You right, can watch yeah. that. I mean, the, um, the, uh, all in the families, you can watch all of those. But the content now is just like every, you know, it used to be ABC, CBS, and NBC, and there were like nine studios, and they each made like three or four movies, and some beat, and Roger Corman would make his movies, and Crown International was kind of in competition with them. They'd make their B movies, and that was it, you know? And so, you know, people became like movie stars and stuff, but now it's like, you know, like, I, you know, I asked, I bet I, you know, I've asked, 20 people in the last since the movie won the Academy Award Green Book because I have a history with the director who's a really good guy really good guy really this is one of those stories that is like guy's been grinding away in like low budget movies for 35 years and uh, anyway he writes and uh, wins two Academy Awards for Green Book but I you know I've asked like 20 people probably if they've seen green book and like everybody like says like no i haven't seen it yet i'm like it's just i i he won the academy award for best movie i'm like nobody's seen it it's just like there's like or they've seen it and they forgot you right. know yeah. they just wanted to watch the academy awards you know but it's just so much content out there now that it's almost like impossible to make any kind of like dent like I mean, Game of Thrones, yeah, that's 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 the big thing, and I know that Game of Thrones is like, but other than Game of Thrones, I mean, if you ask me who the top five um, male movie stars that are getting paid the most money, and the five female movie stars that are getting paid the most money, mm-hmm. I have no idea. Right. I, I don't have any idea. I really don't. And I... You know, there's movies around people have said, have you seen this? And I'm like, no, man. And it's like Netflix is making like 200 different pieces of content, television and movies. And, um, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's a difference changed and uh, um, it'll always change. Now I'm on to the whole thing of AI and um, yeah. uh, um, I, I'm, I listen to like Stephen Hawking's talk, and I listen to um, uh, the guy who made Tesla. What's his name? Oh, Elon the Musk. The Elon Musk, and I listen to those guys. And I'm like, I want, hoping I'm around for the time that like the Terminator scenario really it, takes place. It's true, yeah. Because it, it's it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And uh, Elon says it's going to happen a lot faster than we think. And it all it, it all starts with this. this 
phone I've got in my hand that I'm talking to you with, you know. This is just basically an extension. This is the first part of the computer, you know, oh, that we're is, all yeah. going to turn into. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get in my car, and it'll tell me where I'm supposed to be going without me telling it where I'm supposed to be going. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I know. I, and I had, like, my phone the other day. My phone, I think's getting a little old and it's getting a little... It freezes up every once in a right. while. So whenever it freezes up, I always like just turn it over and and like there's a slide on it. I mean, just slide it off and yeah. it turns off the phone. Right when you say you want to turn off the phone, so I press the button and that slide thing comes up, you know. And I go to slide it and I slide it over and the phone stays on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I slide it over again phone stays on I'm like yeah. you know what I'll just set this down over here in the kitchen you know you just relax for a while I'll be in the other room yeah. and I'll come back you know we'll try this again right but I'm just like it won't turn off what if you don't want to turn off <laughs> so as long as as long as doesn't follow you into the next room right <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but I think it's I think it's you know you know, nobody talks about it, you know, nobody in like, you know, you look at all the candidates and stuff like that. You know, when, when, when the greatest mind of, of our, of our generation, Stephen Hawking says, listen, you know, we're going to have to put up some guardrails here. There's going to have to be some oversight when it comes to this type of stuff. And everybody just ignores him. And, you know, Elon Musk says the same thing. And everybody's just ignoring them and acting like, oh, yeah, that'll happen like 100 years from now. No, I don't think so. No. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen a lot faster than people think. So that's 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 kind of my, my new thing that I go on YouTube and, and, and <laughs> try to find out as much as I can about, you know. No. That's basically how I get all my entertainment now. Is I like, I, I just... I don't even watch TV. Sometimes I'll watch a cycle of the news, but yeah. it seems like the news is the same this year as exactly as it was last year. It's like the same kind of thing is happening like today as it was a year ago today. It's so <laughs> you true, know? yeah. It, 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 you know, so I've gotten tired of watching that. So I just go to YouTube now, and within a couple of minutes I'll find uh, you know I just I, earlier today I just went to YouTube and all of a sudden I find out that Mike Tyson's got his own um, um, deal that like you're doing and okay. and he you know, he had on Mickey Rourke and I'm, you know oh, this is interesting and so you know I can you know I can pick it up and, and, and all, you know all the there's a you know a, a little documentary on Mickey Mantle or right. there's a documentary on like the um, you know, I, Vietnam, I think I've seen every Vietnam, every, um, Iran, yeah. not Iran, uh, well, if you want to know about Iran Contra, you can watch a documentary on, on that, that, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can watch a documentary on anything, I know. and it's unbelievable, it's just absolutely unbelievable, so I do most of my, um, you know, watching stuff just on, 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 Right, so, oh, well, we, we keep the TV on in the background a little bit, but and my son, he's he's five and he's got his little iPad. And yeah. YouTube for children is like 
There's like a thousand different things they can watch. Yeah. It's unbelievable. My, they, you yeah, know, my daughter's obsessed with YouTube. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How old is she? She's she's nine, but it's it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, and uh, so you know, it's a changing world, but um, um, and I, you know, the movie business is changing to the place where you know I've been told before by people that that I think are are pretty knowledgeable about films that in the near future, um, in the near future, what you're going to be able to do is your likeness, my likeness, or Tom Cruise, let's say take Tom Cruise. They're going to be able to take Tom Cruise and they're going to go to him and say, we got the script, Tom, do you want to do it? And he'll read the script and go, well, I like the script, but you know, I'm doing something else here. You can use my likeness. Right. Go make a movie with my likeness. And they'll be able to do that. And when you look at, like, stuff that, like, Cameron's doing now, and you look at stuff, even on Call of Duty, when you look at, like, the, the, the stuff on Call of Duty at the beginning where they're all talking and hanging out and stuff, that CGI is so good. Yeah. That, oh, I, I, I can see a point where where people kind of go like, well, do we really need these actors that are like bitching and moaning and right. complaining? Where's, where's my trailer? And, you know, coming in drunk and like, why don't we just get some guy sitting on a computer doing it, you know? And then people will say, well, yeah, but there'll never be, you know, another, you know, another whatever, Tom Hanks or yeah. never, you know, no computer guy. And I said, well, I, 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 I would guess that there's some computer guys in the future that are going to be able to put out some pretty fine performances. <laughs> just a guess, but, you know, technology is just, um, I've lived a life that has, you know, started off. I, I was born in the Jim Crow South, okay. and here we are. And my mother's just turned 88. Oh, wow. Uh, and if I'm lucky enough to live to be her age, yeah. um, I've just, God, I've just, so many things have happened. And so many things have kind of stayed the same. You know, we think our world's falling apart, but uh, it'll be here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the world will be here. We won't. We won't. But it'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 But Michael, this was unbelievable. Thank you for your time today. I mean, this this was great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And when you get like a bunch more viewers on, you get like really, really popular. Don't forget me. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but let's do this again in, like, 10 years, all right? And a special thanks to Michael for joining us today. Go listen to the audio adaptation of Aliens 3, the William Gibson script. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the person 19 Be sure to like the page we're living my youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had, two years worth now. While you're there, please rate and review the show don't have itunes not a problem the show's on soundcloud it's on podbean and i opened up a new store recently it's on threadless so go to relivingmyyouth.threadless.com you'll notice that we updated the logo so it's a lot of cool merchandise very excited about the logo and i'm gonna have some celebration of the two-year anniversary i'm gonna have a couple more episodes this week so be on the lookout for that this is your first time coming to the show welcome a new episode comes out every Wednesday. 